This is the Open to Alchemy podcast, and I'm your host, Lauren Ivey. I'm so excited to have you here joining these conscious conversations about the transformation that's possible for all of us. My approach to spirituality has always been part woo and part work. So in this podcast, we talk about all the incredible spiritual modalities and add in a bunch of practical things that really make it fit into our lives. I can't wait for you to join me. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Open to Alchemy podcast. I am so happy that you are joining me. I am really excited for my guest, Karen LePage, who is a sewing fairy godmother and Gene Keys guide. So welcome, Karen. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. We have so many things in common, so many different talk about. I like cannot wait to see where we are guided in this conversation. Agreed. <laughs> so maybe first, because I have not had on and really spoken that much about gene keys. I talk about human design all the time, mm-hmm. my listeners know. But I would love if you could just start by sharing what the gene keys are and how that's related to human design for my listeners who are into that. Oh, sure. Well, the gene keys, it's really simple. It's not a I mean, it is a different modality, but I think it's more a different lens because we're actually looking at the same source material as human design. In fact, the founder or originator or channeler or whatever you'd like to call it of Gene Keys as a student of Ra Uluru originally and wrote one of the most well-respected, intricate books on circuitry that there is. Like you can't get more detailed than that in human design, right? And then he took a big step back and saw... He wanted it to be less technical and more poetic and thought that there was a lot, a lot more, or maybe a different kind of approach to take that could be gentler and more contemplative and incorporate, I guess, a little more of a creative experience than, I mean, you can find this in human design too, as well, but it's, it's not presented as the main, Mm -hmm. the main thing. And so Jinkies focuses on the hexagrams of the I Ching, which of course in human design and gene keys are assigned based on astrological points during the year. And the profile's the same. The main, you know, how in human design, your incarnation cross is like the main, the main thing, your sun and earth placements mm-hmm. in human design. That's the activation sequence, your genius, like the main basic, um, path to start with. And it's the same profile numbers. And speaking of profile numbers, when I'm talking about gene keys, they do focus a lot on the lines of the hexagram, as I said, and I'm not sure if your listeners are aware that the profile numbers you have, if you're a two, four or a six, three or five, one or whatever, those are actually the um, based in which line in the six lines of the hexagram, your needle chart points are. So that's it's focused more on the role that each of those lines can take. So in each sphere or each area of our lives, those lines give us a bit of a role. So we combine kind of what's our role in this area of our life and the key and the gate are the same thing, the exact same thing. So you won't see anything new in terms of your assignments or your the gates that you have active. And as we know, we all have everything, but the parts the gates, the keys, same thing that are assigned in your profile are the ones that you are, that we came here with. 
the ones that should be more easily accessible to us. Maybe the shadows we deal with, maybe the gifts we can express, maybe the, the highest expression, the CD or the essence of mm-hmm. oneness and love that we can experience to remind us that we're on the right path. So it's the same, but it's a little different approach to human design. Right. So for people that are newbies or, you know, just starting to get comfortable with human design, it's looking at the gates that Mm -hmm. you have in your chart. One of, you know, the 64 gates, which can be active, which can be connected. And those are really our gifts, our traits, our, you know, like bigger themes in our life. Would you describe it? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And then also Gene Keys is just based on the personal planet. So we don't talk a lot about Neptune and Pluto and that kind of thing that will be coming later. But it's those as we as we know from astrology are more generational, even though they do affect us. Personally. Right. Of course, I only believe in anything like 70%. So I, as I've seen, <laughs> they affect us personally, I'm like, or do they? <laughs> But I'm open. I love that. I feel like with Gene Keys, you can kind of hold it loosely and there's room for that questioning and experimentation. And I know in more recent, you know, discussions about human design, that is definitely emphasized that it's not this part of who you are, but kind of where where your natural gifts lie. And I love that that's being presented more in that way. These days, I think it was kind of like changing as I first approached this. I mean, it was only five years ago, but it feels like so much has changed yes. in these worlds and people have found, I mean, ultimately it's just a path of self-inquiry, right? We just are using these puzzles of our, our natal gifts to bump up against and see who we think we are and try new things and maybe learn more about ourselves. Yeah, I love that perspective. I definitely am in favor of the way, well, both things. I'm in favor of the way human design is changing. And I completely agree. It feels like just a few years ago, there was a very different language or sort of like an old school guard that was holding the keys to human design. And I love that that's become more more accessible. I love that it's, you know, using a language that feels more, you know, feminine for lack mm-hmm. of a better way of describing it or oh, definitely more, more poetic and receptive yeah. and contemplative. Like it's, it's not the answer. It's the question. Right. And that's, I think, an interesting point to bring up because I'm sure, you know, before we started recording, we were talking about astrology and now we're talking about human design and gene keys. And there's all of these modalities. And I'm wondering your experience with people, how, what the best way is to approach it. When I see people sometimes using it as an end all be all or using it as a, you know, a decision making modality versus like that inquisitive, angle that you were just talking about. How do you navigate using these systems for the best and highest versus something that makes you feel limited or locked in or, well, that's just the way that I am. And there's no change because I'm a Sagittarius sun or I'm a manifesting (laughs) generator. You know, how do you balance those, those elements? Hmm. That is a great question. 
I think it comes naturally to me and I know it doesn't come naturally to other people. And speaking of Sagittarius suns, we're both Sagittarians. So we do have kind of an expansive, mutable, flexible worldview naturally, right? Or supposedly according to astrology. I feel like all of these modalities are mutually reinforcing. So, you know, I discovered human design and got a reading Oh, back in, when was it? 2017, maybe 2018. And immediately learned about this group that was using human design and gene keys together. And I was like, oh, what's gene keys? And then I thought, this is even more permission giving. I'm going to jump over here because I don't want anyone telling me what to do. Right, right. So for me, no, you can't tell me who I am. I know who I am. Well, wait, no, I don't. And that's because we're constantly changing. And so... I think holding it lightly, just like anything, you know, any archetype that we see in ourselves or take or try to adopt, you know, in order to have enough courage, you know, dressing for the part or, you know, trying to in a corporate job, speaking from personal experience Mm -hmm. as a wildly creative person in general, and then feeling like the tech and corporate person in a community of wild, more wildly creative people. It's all about the context. And if we are looking for something to tell us who we are so we don't have to make our own choices, these are not the modalities for you. That's more the memification of it, the simplification of it, the, you know, instead of seeing Libra, for instance, as a beautiful community-focused sign who is interested in social justice and making the best choice, and instead we look at it as, oh, those are the folks who can't make a decision. I mean, it looks like that from the outside, but it's because they are they care so much about making a choice that's best for everyone and including themselves if they're healthy. And so even, even in like just the 12 signs of astrology, we can see that there's a lot of room for misunderstanding and for surface level joking, which can be fun. But also if you don't take it beyond that level and you don't try to explore the nuance, then yeah, it's pretty easy to allow yourself to be trapped. It's like an eight of swords moment (laughs) where you could walk right out of this if you just took your own blindfold off, but you're trapping yourself in something because it maybe is more comfortable. I don't know. Right. Yeah. I love that you said nuance because as you were talking, that is exactly the word that I wrote down. (laughs) Well, you're psychic. So, you know. Yeah. I was like, (laughs) no, but that's exactly what we're talking about is that there are iterations, there is nuance. And I think that you know, I'm drawn to the archetype idea. I'm drawn to these different meaning making systems. Mm -hmm. And yet there's a part of me that really deeply rebels against it because I don't want you to tell me who I am. So, you know, but more that I don't want you to tell me what I can and can't do. Exactly. (laughs) It's like rebel. I know. It's like, tell me who I am, but then I'm going to tell you and show you all the reasons that I'm not, but I really am, but I'm not going to let you know that I know that we know Mm -hmm. that whole like dialogue that goes on subconsciously. And, you know, even in the manifesting generator, I mean, I see this all the time. There are so many variations along that spectrum. And I think, and it can be an excuse, right? Or it can be freedom and it depends Mm on how you're using it. If someone tells you, I just wrote this about my sewing class the other day. If someone tells you that there is a single right way to do something, then they are trying to sell you a trap and not Mm. leading you to your own liberation or freedom. Oh, 
I love that. And I even love taking that further to with all of the beautiful guides that, that yeah. there are, that it's my job not to tell you what to do or not even really to teach you what to do, but to, to help guide you to tap into your own way to make decisions, your own way to define what success is, your own authenticity and feelings of whatever your goal feelings are. And I right. love that it, it does feel like there is, I don't know if it's like a, a fork or there's, there's some divergence of the community, I would say at large, that I'm seeing where it's sort of like the, the guru and sort of the follow my method, do what I'm doing, I can save you, I can teach you path. <laughs> and then there's this whole other group of, of people that I really feel are coming at it from more of a community, more of a collaboration, more of, I want to walk alongside you and I might have the right answer or I might just be there to witness you coming up with your own answer, or maybe I'm not even the right person for you, but I have like three other people that I really like that could help you. And yeah, I mean, for me, that just feels so much, it feels so much bigger, so much broader, so much more comfortable and encompassing and welcoming. And I don't know, what's your thoughts on all that? Oh, I agree with you. I think it all goes back to groundbreaking work talking about fixed mindset and growth mindset, honestly. Mm. Or, you know, there are people all over the world who want a dictator to tell them what to do politically. And then there are the rest of us who are saying, why can't we just help each other? This looks like it should be simple to just help each other. <laughs> so, you know, that that dichotomy is present in just about every arena. I mean, there are colleges where you go and you memorize things and you pay a lot of money to get a degree that supposedly says that you're an expert in something. And then there are places you go where you're asked a lot of questions and you're asked to do research. And can you tell I have a high school junior? Right. And you're asked to like <laughs> develop theories and pro propose a thesis and then research it. And, you know, even in undergrad. And so are we learning how to learn and are we learning how to make choices or are we being told what choices to make and being told what the answer is? I think as you were speaking about like, maybe I'm the person to walk alongside you, maybe I'm not, or maybe in passing, someone asks a question, and no one has asked you that question before, and it sparks a whole new path in your life. Mm. So that's, that's what I love about the Gene Keys, because even the, the founder, Richard Rudd, yeah. is a lovely person, I don't agree with him on everything. And the thing I love most about him, first of all, he participates in his own like as a participant in his own like online retreats and things as like a student, which I love. And he also said sometimes he wishes he could just throw the profile out altogether and have people just use the book as bibliomancy. What am I going to focus on today? How does that relate to what is inside my chart? And I think that's an advanced yet simple way to look at all of these things. Find something that's that attracts you, that's interesting to you, and start there. I mean, what a manifesting generator thing to say, right? But I know, it's true. I know. I love we it. I, my, I was totally lighting up. I was like, wait, you could look at the book and just pick anything yeah. that you wanted at any time. Or not even that... pick, just let it fall open and start there. Oh my God, my little man gen brain just exploded. <laughs> 
Well, and how about a projector, like not being told what to do for once, you know, or being invited to look at things a different way, or reflector having time to take things in, and maybe there's not one right answer and being open to clarifying what's right for them over time, or like my little 16 year old manifester knowing right away. And yeah. going forward with that and then switching course when it doesn't work anymore yeah. or handing it off for someone else when you're inspired again, letting people know what you see along the way. That's that's what I that's what I love about it. And I think they all work together. I said they were mutually reinforcing and I was not kidding. I feel like now that I am really enjoying exploring my profile with Gene Keys and seeing it play out seeing what plays out in my life, I go back and I say to myself, oh, well, where is this in my body? (laughs) This is my sun sign. Where is it in my body? Do I, maybe I can experiment with how I feel when I think about this patience is my life's work. It's my sun sign. Number five, patience and rhythm. I have ADHD. I'm a Sagittarius, Stellium, Aquarius, rising, MG, 6'3", all the reasons you would not have a schedule or a rhythm that is put upon you by the outside or you know told to be the right way by someone else and i'm finding that i have to find my own rhythm and i definitely function better when i have structure having a child with autism as my first child who's going to be 25 soon it's made me learn a whole new way of finding structure because that child needed structure in order to make it through a day. And structure was something I rebelled against my whole life. So I keep finding myself being led back into the themes I've been rejecting Mm. and finding new ways to embrace them. Yes. Oh my gosh. The resistance being the thing that you need to look at has come up so many times just in the past week. And it's just so funny how We create these stories, and I think that sometimes the archetypes can perpetuate those stories like we were Mm -hmm. talking about earlier, and sometimes it's just our immediate environment or, you know, whatever has created that that story in our head, but it is so funny that, you know, I'm a person who fill in the blank, and there's there's that little voice in the back of my head that's saying, well, (laughs) maybe there's something to look at here. (laughs) And yes, I completely agree. I also have the 515 channel and. Oh, I don't have the 15. My five is hanging. Interesting. Imagine that. No wonder I'm always looking for the (laughs) Right. Looking for the other half. But it's funny because the structure I fight against the structure. I fight against the routine. I don't want, you know, just this week, a totally human example, meal planning. Mm. I know people who like live and die off of like, okay, Sunday morning, I pick my recipes. I go to the store. I prep my stuff. I have it all. That literally to me, it is, gives me the willies. Like I get, I cannot imagine doing that. I hate it, Mm. hate it, hate it. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, every night I'm like, oh my God, I have to make dinner again. Why and do so, these people have to eat so much? Right. Why is everybody hungry again? <laughs> and so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. Like there's, there, maybe there's something there to look at Lauren. And mm-hmm. so I went, we, I looked at recipes on Saturday. I went to the grocery store and here I am Tuesday morning. I have something in the slow cooker and I've already what? made the sauce for it. And the stress relief that I have given myself by having three meals already planned, three Mm -hmm. meals already made, 
is like, you know, we spend so much time fighting against, I spend so much time fighting against <laughs> no certain way. things. I, I, corrected <laughs> I didn't want to assume. Oh no. And then all of a sudden that thing that I've been resisting allows the freedom on the other side, because we don't understand how much time and energy we are spending in the resistance of recreating the wheel of like, oh my God, I have to create, I don't have a system. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have this. Okay, so maybe there are some systems that are beneficial. I apologize, meal planners. I do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and maybe it's not going to be that way forever. Don't you have little kids? You know, at some point, they're going to want to help prepare right. things. Or they're well, they're have... 10 and 13. So oh, they're okay. not so little. They're, they're just already... lazy. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> no, they're not. They're just teenagers. Yes, I have a, my 16 teenagers. Oh, is my, my youngest. And actually, both my kids love cooking. So so it, but it's because I made them participate always. So I was, I was like, you can either cook with me or you can clean up afterward. And so of those two options, what sounds better to you? Yeah. And what you are know? their authorities? Oh, my gosh. Well, my husband and my youngest and I all live in the same house and we are all emotional authority. So just okay. imagine that. So and... taking your time, think, feeling things out, giving right. yourself space and energy, but also, are you all also generators, manifesting generators? No, it's oh, just me. Okay. Uh, I have a projector husband and a manifester youngest child. Wow. Force of nature, that one. Okay. And then my other child, the my first one, who's going to be 25 soon, she is a generator, but only has one channel and only one motor. And so she knows that she absolutely has to love doing something. Mm-hmm. And then everyone around her wants to participate in it. She's like, she doesn't realize how charming she is until she's really in her zone. So, mm. you know, so that's something. fascinating. Yeah. And only the youngest, the 16-year-old, is interested in any of this at all. So I don't of want course. anybody to, like, get the impression that we're all so settled in our, you know, experiment with these different energy types or our profiles or any any curiosity about how that plays out, except for the, you know, me and my youngest one. (laughs) But it's so incredible to just, I I love just talking about it, Mm -hmm. just exposing them, just Mm -hmm. having it in conversation or just letting it be more, not in like a lesson, like, oh, you have to understand this, but just in, this is how I make sense of myself. This is how, this is what helps me for now for now right <laughs> understand other people better and have more compassion mm-hmm. and be able to see the world in a, in a way that feels good to me and so maybe they get some of the lessons and maybe that you know it teaches them a little bit more empathy and more compassion but right they have to find what works for them and maybe it's nothing like this yeah maybe it isn't this is how i can help I've experimented with inviting my projector husband and I see the, this is why he has such a hard time with teenagers is that nobody asked him. (laughs) I mean, that literally came out of our manifestor's mouth the other day. I didn't ask you. Right. (laughs) Poor guy. Right. Nobody's going to ask your advice when they're a teenager. You want to get something to them, a message, you send it through me. It's fine. I'll take the backlash you know I can handle it (laughs) right oh that's so interesting but what incredible guidance for people listening who are projectors and are going through it 
with their growing children to oh, know gosh. that find an intermediary <laughs> right and also find other people that are going to be interested in what you have to offer because the population in your house is changing and yeah. so there needs to be you need to make yourself visible in a different way to other people so that you are still feeling good but also you're not wasting your time and energy on people that are not going to listen and have no interest and building, you know, frustration on your own, on both sides. Right. And this doesn't just go for projector parents. I mean, all of us as parents, we're, we're raising a generation of revolutionaries right now. And if we don't see that, then we're going to just be repeating the same mistakes. So I feel like as parents, it's really our job to clear the path as much as possible or give them a machete <laughs> to yeah. clear their own path and to help each other and to, we are here to learn from them. And if we don't, it'll be to our own detriment. Well, I think it's really interesting that it feels like to me, and I'm curious because your kids are, you know, just a few years older. So you, you well, I have a 31 year old too. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. So they're definitely more fully formed mm -hmm. that, you know, as my generation, I feel like we are giving permission to our children and what's the word I want to use? rewarding, praising, recognizing, valuing things in our children that my parents' generation would have been, would have hated, would have fought against, would oh, have yeah. been embarrassed about. Yeah. But yet I still feel this push and pull about, you know, instead of causing, calling my children stubborn, which, mm -hmm. you know, an older generation would do, I call them strong-willed. They are, they are confident. They yeah. know what they want, but yet that that old parenting style that was ingrained with me that, you know, this is my house. You should listen to me. You need to show me respect, blah, 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 blah. Like I can still feel that bubbling inside me yeah. when I have frustration. And so I feel like it's almost going to be like the next generation. I can't even imagine how different that's going to be if all of the kids today are growing up with even a partial, you know, valuing of things differently. Yeah. Well, I mean, as you were saying that, oh, I cannot tell you how freeing it is to not live anywhere near my parents, first of all. But secondly, to know, because I've been through therapy and looked at my childhood with some distance and perspective. That's why I think everybody should have therapy to have someone to ask you questions you wouldn't ask yourself and mm. to be there to receive the answers and not tell you you're wrong. I see how I was raised and how it didn't serve me, but also there were things about how I was raised that would be better for my children. The structure I'm yeah. talking about, mm -hmm. I needed a different kind of freedom and still have guardrails more like a creative brief you know not yeah. like draw me whatever you want but like draw me a picture of an elephant and then it can be whatever you know whatever kind of elephant you want right you need something <laughs> to respond to yeah exactly <laughs> exactly and then the freedom to just say no and do something different too but still be making art that's what i mean by the creative brief of a life and you know no matter their energy type children <laughs> require support and honesty and i think just requiring them to submit is not building a relationship i love my children i love hanging out with them i'm honored that my 25 year old wants to hang out with me still and 
I'm still not her friend. I'm still her parent. You know, I can hang out with her and her friends. And I introduced her to my younger friends too. And they play tabletop Dungeons and Dragons type games together without me. Right. Even though I would love that, but I'm afraid I would fall down into a fantasy world and never come back. (laughs) So I kind of just watch from the periphery. But the, the, the difference is that no, I never would have wanted to meet my parents' friends as an adult or even as a you know, a teenager, and they weren't interested in getting to know who I am. And I think the best part about parenting is getting to discover who these amazing creatures are that we got to usher into the world or bring into our homes if we didn't make them with our own bodies and see how they're changing and growing and just be Again, holding loosely, like, of course, I tears in my eyes. It's crying season. I cry every Scorpio season. But the oh my gosh. I cry every day. Any any season. <laughs> yeah. You're please. There's no oh, life of a highly sensitive person. Yes. Anyway, yes. But to get to witness the unfolding of their lives and to resist, as you were talking about having that that old school parenting in the back of your mind, not everything needs to be thrown out, as I mentioned. And also, I don't know about you, but I once I saw what was why how I was changing around my parents criticizing the way I was parenting, I became like a dragon and I protect my children from that. And I had to stand up for myself like I never did when I was a teenager or kid to protect them from the damaging elements of the parenting I received. And I am so grateful that I did that because it helped me find myself. It helped my my children be able to trust me. And it also lets my parents see from a distance what magic is being created in these, in these people and being amazed at how they're thriving. Mm, that is incredible. And I can definitely hear the love and the passion that you have for that in in your voice and your heart and the way that you're communicating it and it's so it's so beautiful and i'm so i'm like thinking about my 13 year old and i'm like i hope it's not too late that i can still make changes because it is it's the funniest thing it's it without question is the biggest teacher in my life and I, I would I would think it could be in in most people's lives if they allow themselves to look at it that way mm-hmm. to to have this intimate look at somebody every single day or you know how however your relationship is with them and want the best for them want for their happiness and their health and their and their ability to, to know themselves and love themselves and find purpose and find meaning and all the things and also have pretty much zero control over anything that they do, say, think, act, et cetera. Even if you do for a period of time, yeah. that period of time ends. So it's like you might as so well. Fast. So fast. <laughs> so why shouldn't we be spending our time instead of teaching them to, you know, follow my rule and my word is God, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I want you to learn how to stand on your own. Like self-advocacy for me is one of the things that I 
want to instill in them more than anything else that yes, it might mean that you are challenging and argumentative and full of opinions and full of all the reasons why not. But I feel like, and I hope that that means that when they get out into the world and I'm not there to 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 stand up for them that they have learned to stand up for themselves and also stand up for others that maybe haven't learned that but gosh it's challenging in the day-to-day of course it is (laughs) of course it is they're asking us to look at ourselves and to accept the unknown in every moment it's so hard it's so hard for it and we don't have to be parents to have this kind of relationship with younger people either i mean we you go to the coffee shop and there's a barista (laughs) you can you go you know anywhere you go there are people younger than you that you can get to know and be around instead of just looking at it through the lens of curmudgeonly Twitter or whatever these kids. Right. (laughs) Right. We all have, we all are responsible for each other, whether we like it or not. And we, if we want to have a community, we have to do the work of building it. And whether that's in your home, if you have kids or in your work, if you work outside of your house or in your just in your general life, moving around your neighborhood, you're having an influence on people, whether you know it or not. And an open, accepting demeanor is one that allows people to be themselves around you. Mm. And also coming all the way back to human design and gene keys showing up as most yourself as the youest of you yes always say that allows yeah. other people it, it 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 gives them somebody to look towards it gives them an example it gives them a real life role model even if that's not your profile yeah to what that is and i feel that so deeply and i love hearing you say that in such a beautiful and eloquent way you know beyond our intimate family and, and thinking about every interaction that we have and and everything that we do in the world is an opportunity to leave that that person, that place, that energy exchange with with more positivity, with more possibility and potential than, well, what's in it for me? And how can I you know, show this person what I know. I feel like so many conversations I have, I'm like, are you even here? Does it even matter if I'm talking to you? Or would you be just like condescending to literally any other, everybody else? Like people just have so much inside of them that they want to, they want to give to other people. But I feel like they, they sometimes just get jumbled in like the power play of like, I know best and I'm going to show you that I know and I'm in charge and that whole patriarchal thing. I'm just like, I'm over it. Can you tell? Yes, I can tell. (laughs) But I would love to go back if you don't mind to when you said that people have so much to give. I think you're talking about the wisdom that they might want, they feel they've earned and they might want to share. I think the attachment to it being maybe there, I mean, I know there's wisdom. People have lived lives and prescribing the way that wisdom is applied or accepted is where the mistake lies. Sharing Mm. stories, this happened for me, or this, you know, when I was your age, it was this way, and aren't we lucky it's different, or show me how it can be different. That's a different approach, again, that growth mindset or the openness to learning and maybe the, I guess, willingness to be wrong. 
is something that comes from a place of vulnerability and not everybody is secure enough to be wrong in public, <laughs> you mm, know? So true. So we have to practice that at home. And that's another thing. I'm the first one to apologize to my kids if I am, in, am, am wrong or if I deliver something in a way, you know, that's full of anxiety or anger or stress. Of course, I'm going to apologize. And I know that some people don't think that they should apologize to younger people, whether they're their own kids or not. And I think showing that feeling, first of all, not fake apologies, but like actually feeling the humility and then, you know, opening up to be wrong is, is something we can all practice. And oh, my gosh. So then people are great. willing to receive, you know, the, the, the wisdom that's yeah. there to be shared. Yeah, I totally agree. I apologize all the time. I encourage my husband to apologize all the time. How are how would they learn to say they're sorry if they never heard it? If or they how never... would they learn to try things if they're afraid of being wrong? Right. Oh, so good. You're amazing. I mean, I'm just a professional mistake maker. Wow. <laughs> so you know, I'm used to being wrong. But I <laughs> love that. It. I, I can't even explain to you. And I don't know. I, I do think that it's part of the man gen DNA. Mm -hmm. I think it's part of the Sagittarius DNA, this idea that I am going to try things. And I feel like, and I'm, I'm so curious your experience with this, this idea of failure has really my mind shift on failure, existing, not existing, what it means to fail has changed so much. And I think that that allows me to try everything, to do everything. And that is so freeing and so exciting and so fun. And nobody else is paying attention anyway. It doesn't right. even matter. Like who cares? Like, yeah. Who are we I, to think everyone's watching our every move? I right. Mean, all the time. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, I, there was a grammar mistake in my email. Like, are we kidding ourselves? Like, what does it matter? But I think it's so interesting. You that, don't have like, a Virgo moon. <laughs> right. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I don't. I don't. I'm watching I myself. <laughs> I know. No, I'm so self-aware of stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But I think that letting go of the idea of, of failing and more just being like trying, tried, didn't work, tried, got information, tried, right. found something else. Like, but I think that some people, and I understand because it definitely used to be me, you know, failing or the idea of failing is their number one fear. That is the worst of the worst situations that could happen for them. Yeah. Yeah, if they only knew if they ran toward it instead of away from it, A, they might not fail to meet their own expectations because failure is really just not meeting your own or others' expectations that you've taken on as your own, right? And <laughs> that if we if we run toward it, maybe there are answers on the way that we that we'll see instead of avoiding them by not running toward potential failure. It's hard to just not have expectations. I mean, that is definitely something to work on but we it's we're human i mean i feel like i'm here to be as human as possible and that means making mistakes it also means being open to maybe something that wasn't a mistake still being able to be better more open more loving more patient more generous more kind and 
also, I'm not just here to give. And that's back to the uh, these people who maybe have so much to give. They need someone to receive. And we all need to be able to learn how to graciously receive support, advice, mm. love from areas we don't know. We don't even know where it's coming from sometimes. But in that being available to receive is a vulnerable position as well mm. and it can feel like failure needing to learn how to receive but it isn't it's being part of a a cycle part of a you know the swirl of energy and information and kindness that we can be living in if we choose to do you want a new neighbor because I think that I need yeah. to <laughs> I'm like, let's go find a community, a commune that we can be in <laughs> and we can just start Utopia because I'm like obsessed with you right now. Uh, we have not gotten a chance to talk about the sewing stuff and all oh, of your other yeah. creative. I've kept, I've kept all of your man-gen stuff locked away. So tell me everything about that and no, it's kind I of, would love to hear about it. It's the same. It's the same thing. I think that I have a little evergreen now self-paced course called sewing is magic and it is all my experiences of I've been making things since I was five years old all my experiences of learning how to sew and it's an industry that is so focused on the right way to do something instead of what works for you and I in fact think that the clothing industry and even home sewing industry on the whole has done more damage than good when it comes to people feeling at home in their own bodies. Mm. And when it comes to, I mean, how many of us or our parents, actually, I think it was a, a skip generation for, for most of us culturally, because our grandmothers were the first generation who were allowed to work, or maybe our great grandmothers for my younger friend. Yeah. I'm 50. So that should give you an idea of my Gen X. But my mom worked full time. And her mom was the one who made things for me. And her mom, you know, my great grandmother was still making things into her late 80s. And for generations even further back than that, they did not have a choice. You couldn't just go out and buy something. And you, if you could, you have to be super wealthy. You couldn't right, right. afford to buy more than one outfit or more than one piece of equipment for your home. They lasted a long time. We learned how to repair things back in the day because we had to. And so I think now, generations forward, we have a choice. And so if you want to be a person who makes things and mends things and repairs them, then you're a certain kind of person. You're like, you're choosing that. And I feel like there are not a lot of resources, in fact, I've not seen any, that combine sewing and magic in a way that allows for the practice of both. People use magic as a euphemism for no effort, and we know differently. If you want something to feel or be magic, how much intention, how much I know, attention, it's so much work how to much have it be no work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not no work. It looks like magic from the outside. Just right. like when you when you see somebody make something who's practiced at it for a long time and you think, "Oh my gosh, I could never do that. That's magic." 
then you learn how to do it and you're like, okay, all right, there are all these steps. This feels like work. This is okay, but I can do it. And there's not just one right way. I'm going to try it this way. I'm going to try it that way. And then you practice and all of a sudden you can become amazed that your own hands are making the same magic, whether it's pottery or sewing something or cooking or whatever it is. Enough practice, all of a sudden, if you step back a moment and realize your journey, you can become amazed by yourself. You can see that what was magic became work and then is magic again in your own hands. And so I want people to experience that. I feel like it's such a useful skill. It's also something that starts really simply. I mean, the whole first week of my course is so a straight-ish line and different ways to do that and getting to know a couple different kinds of fabrics. And they get a kit that comes to them when they sign up so they don't have to go wandering around an intimidating store or trying to, you know, find something. They have an example of what they'll need so that they can touch it and use it and practice with it. I'm trying to take away all of the resistance and all of the friction to learning something new that's outside of a person. <laughs> the inner friction, well, that's something that comes out in the in the practicing of it. And so I feel like the program is very supportive and I have addressed multiple different learning styles. There's a printed version of everything, different kinds of video. One of the videos I actually just have some, it's like an hour long and people can just sew along with me, but also if they don't want to so along for an hour they can watch it super sped up or they can just read it or they can you know there are different ways to approach every single project and I think that and maybe this is my manifesting generatoriness or maybe this is my spider web brain but I think we don't realize that once we learn how to do one thing that so many things are almost the same like if you can make a cloth napkin, you can make a tablecloth, a table runner, curtains, like they're all the same process. They're just different sizes of fabric and maybe right, different right. choices of fabric. So even after the first week, you could totally revamp your home. In fact, my <laughs> my virtual partner, my assistant and, and partner in all of this, Bridget, I took a, a cover, like a couch cover that she had been saving because she liked the fabric and completely revamped her kitchen with new napkins placemats and a table runner wow yeah and because because it's there the permissions there the the light bulb goes off that oh it looks like a different thing but it's actually the same thing and so breaking down the process into the the component parts helps people see things in a new way. So I don't know about you, but my phone autocorrects. So to see, if you've ever typed so, yes, it will yes, autocorrect uh -huh. to see. And I thought, you know, maybe there's a message in here for me. If you learn how to sew, you absolutely learn a different way to see. You know how much work goes into making a garment. So if some, if you're buying something at a new at a store for a very inexpensive price, you know, material costs haven't gone up or haven't gone down. Right. People are not getting paid for their work. Mm. And so that can help you make a decision. And I'm not saying that to shame people because I don't, I don't think there's room for that. I don't think that's how we learn. But also like getting, like when somebody becomes vegan and they get rid of their leather jacket, like, but that was already in your closet and you could have made so many different things out of it and that could be passed down for generations. Right, right. <laughs> like there's a... And, you know, as a person who is who eat, is a plant-based person myself, I mean, I eat honey, I guess, so people would not call me a real vegan, but I, I've definitely fought against the culture in that way, the, the dominant culture of, of that, or won't wear wool when, you know, a sheep 
needs to be shared because of the way we've raised them. Bees don't produce honey unless they're healthy and well cared for. You know, these kinds of things come into play when I'm thinking about making garments. What am I going to choose? Polyester? No, it never disintegrates. So I think about not just getting in touch with ancestors and generations past, but what does that mean moving forward? So I think that sewing is magic is one way people can join me in trying to be a benevolent future ancestor, but it's not the only way. It's just a way to practice being kind to yourself Mm -hmm. and to learn a new thing so that you become more creative in your thinking. Even if you never wear the apron that you make in week three, though you will, the practice of it or that it can become a gift to someone or that you can turn it into something else later or that someday, you know, your grandkid or a neighbor might want to bake something and is wearing fancy clothes and they come to your house. Oh, use this. It doesn't matter if it's perfect. It matters that it protects them. And so keeping the focus on what's important is how I've developed this course. Not the right way according to so-and-so expert, but a way that works. And yes, your way that works is also a right way. So it's all about permission giving, experimenting, and honestly making the world a better place. Wow. Pretty lofty, but I really think we can do it if we learn how to think differently, see differently, and interact with the materials in our world differently. A little Uh, bit at a time. I've never thought about sewing in that expansive as a way. Mm -hmm. And I've certainly never heard it spoken about in that way. And all the different, all the different parts and people and the interconnectedness mm-hmm. of a sew- of sewing a sewn garment and all the different ways that that out I mean I've definitely you know considered the environment with like the yeah. whole disposable I mean even this idea of like disposable fashion is like you know that's somebody's time that's somebody's work that's somebody's mm-hmm money it's some you know it's our environment it's all these different things oh and thankfully there are people who are taking that and turning it into something else Mm -hmm. so it's just figuring out how to make those systems work so that if somebody does need to get rid of something that it can go someplace where it's going to be transformed right right yeah oh i love that and so this is sewing it starts with hand sewing and goes to machine it's both okay It's both. Actually, I started with machine sewing because that seems most intimidating to people. Mm -hmm. Excuse me, but there were so many people who either didn't have a neighbor who could lend them a machine. I don't advise that people go out and buy something before they have tried it. Absolutely not. A machine's an investment, you know. You'll be shocked to know that I have a sewing machine as a a manifesting generator who decided (laughs) that they were going to start sewing things one day, right? You might still. I know. So, I know. Now I'm excited. I'm like, I'm lit up. I, I found fabric cool. on the side of my neighbor had put out fabric a few weeks ago. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, this is a huge roll of fabric yeah. and it matches the colors in my house. So before, before you know it, here I am walking That's down great. the street, do, 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 yeah. bringing the fabric back to my house. It I mean, wanted to I be doing? there. It called you. That's so funny. So what a great ridiculous. coincidence. Or synchronicity it. I love it. anyway. Yes. But, yeah. Yes. But I do find that sometimes it is a place of, to be honest, and it's completely transparent. Mm-hmm. All of these little hobbies or hopeful hobbies is probably a better way to say it. Mm-hmm. 
become then sources of, if I'm not careful, shame or guilt or, well, gosh, that was a waste of money buying that machine or, well, why did I go out and buy all those chocolate molds? I've only made chocolate two or three times or, you know, it's funny. It's a funny dance being a manifesting generator with all of the things because, there's so many passions and so many interests and my house is full of all of the that I was so excited about at one time. And sometimes it is to let those things go because you feel like, well, maybe the interest is going to come back around. And sometimes it does. Maybe it came into your hands for a moment so that you had just enough information and you had enough resources to purchase them to pass the, it on to something that maybe that one of those kids is going to become a chocolatier someday or a mm. baker. You don't, you, we never know the impact we're going to have on each other. And so, yeah, there's abs. I agree with you. There's the opportunity to feel shame or guilt. We can find those opportunities everywhere we look. And I think that we can either choose to feel bad about it or we can learn what that shame or guilt is asking us to do. And maybe it's to pass something on. Maybe it's to try it again. Maybe mm. it's to see an opportunity of where something can be used in a different or better or, you know, more easeful way or somewhere out of your sight. Now that you've tried it, you, how do you know you like something if you don't try it again? And mm. I mean, you spoke before about the connection to the environment, to each other. That's definitely how I see it. But the actual putting two pieces of fabric together and stitching them with thread is like a meta. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> for the connection that we can feel. And it's about having the eyes to see it. Right. And there and is we don't some... have it a hundred percent at the time and it's okay to right. go in and out of that too. It's just learning from it, allowing it to become part of you. And maybe that's it. Maybe the process is the, maybe making the chocolate and discovering that wasn't your thing just knowing that and allowing it to pass through you energetically, psychologically, physically, as you give something away or maybe get excited about doing something for the holidays coming up can be a way to allow it to process and finish off. Yes, absolutely. And I totally have, I have been working on that. And <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that I used to hold a lot of, you know, and, and probably the the higher price, the hobbyist mm -hmm. utensil or investment, you know, there's shockingly a correlation between that and the guilt that one would feel in, you know, purchasing it and not using it. But I do feel like I don't know what's going to become of it. And I also mm -hmm. don't know all of the stories. So maybe it comes back around. Maybe I met somebody while I was taking that class and, mm -hmm. you know, or maybe I saw the way that they were marketing themselves and that comes into my business or, right. you know, maybe three years from now, the thing in the closet now becomes what my kid wants to be interested in. I mean, exactly. we They're have to let all of that someone go. Needs yeah. to borrow a sewing machine. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And yeah. it's not even you. It was just to come through you. We never know. And so, trying to be open to trying to be open to allowing things to come through us, whether it's messages, whether it's stuff, whether it's, you know, privilege and associated privilege and using that for good. I feel like this life is about openness to possibility. And if we are shutting it down before it gets to us, you know, we're gonna we are gonna miss out. Mm. 
and so will the people around us. And it's super friggin' hard to remember that all the time. So don't think because I'm sitting here talking about it that I am, you know, aware of this 100% of the time, but it becomes a habit. Changing a mindset is a conscious decision. Yeah, every practice. day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And over the course of time too, right? Just right. like there, if you are looking for balance in a moment, then you can be balanced for one moment, but that means that nothing is changing in your environment. I think like living a life of balance, it can only be assessed over time. And how do you know if it's 20 years or a hundred years that evens out the balance for you? You don't. I'm just like sitting here learning and listening. I mean, you <laughs> have such a beautiful way of you are wise well beyond your your 50 years I feel wow. like you are I've lived a lot of lives in this I could lifetime. tell <laughs> but I feel like you've also lived a lot of lives period I mean mm -hmm. I feel like you have so much so much ancient wisdom that's like flowing through you but you put it in a way that feels so modern and accessible like it doesn't come across as if you know, well, I've known this forever. It just comes across as embodied wisdom. So I am. No, I relearn it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it always feels new to me. <laughs> yeah. Fresh and new. Yes. Thank you, ADHD, for reminding me that I learned this lesson before. Oh, yesterday same. and this morning and just now. <laughs> I, yeah. Yep. Uh -huh. 100 years ago. Yeah. Right. And 30 lifetimes ago. Yeah. I know. It is, yeah. it is funny that it all, it all comes together. Well, I have definitely enjoyed learning all about Gene Keys and sewing through your magical lens. I would love if you would share with everybody how they can find your course, book a Gene Keys session, all the incredible things that you offer. Oh, thanks. Yeah, if I'm actually going to, I'm coming up with some new kind of more focused Gene Key sessions, but I will always have my, my exploration session available. And that's where we go through the whole thing. And you get the option of having a Notion workbook that is interactive and you can continue to build in it or a PDF either way to remind you of what we talked about. And that is at explorejeankeys.com. And the Sewing is Magic course is open now, and it includes a kit being mailed to you and four weeks or as long as you'd like to take videos and bonuses, and that is at sewingismagic.com. And there are so many other things I do, so you can come find me on Instagram at karenlepage.me, so that's K-A-R-E-N-L-E-P-A-G-E dot M-E. And my podcast with three other magical moms called Magical Motherhood can be heard on, well, wherever podcasts can be found. And that's magicalmotherhood.club. So fun. Well, thank you again for thank being you. with us, with thank me. Thank you. It's so delightful to talk to you, Lauren. Thank you all so much for listening to the Open to Alchemy podcast. You can find more about me on all the social places, Instagram, Facebook, Clubhouse, at open.to.alchemy. That's open, the word T-O, alchemy, or at my website, opentoalchemy.com. See you next time.